0: Good evening everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Steve Perman podcast, great to have your company as ever, Uh, good evening uh, Howard and Tom, Uh, thanks for your input and we're going to be talking to those very soon about their opinions of, of last night. This being Thursday, uh, with the Fulham game being last night. Um, Firstly, though, some feedback uh, via messages from our last podcast about Fulham. And I'm told that everyone was so positive about Johnny Haynes eventually being a Spurs player. And that was because he was actually born in Edmonton. So it was thought of as a certainty that when he eventually decided to leave Fulham, it would be Spurs that he'd head for. Well, that didn't happen because he decided to be loyal to his first club, which I can't argue with, uh, and stick with them. So the Spurs situation never occurred. And I was talking to Norman Giller today um, about this situation because Norman's in touch with all that uh, historical stuff. And he tells me that uh, Johnny originally went to Fulham because his best mate, Tosh Chamberlain, who he played with in, you know, North London schools, uh, was already at Fulham and Tosh encouraged him to, the, you know, it would be a laugh for them to, be, to join up. And, and play for the same club. So he, he chose Fulham instead of Spurs. Um, Norman also told me quite a funny story about Tosh. I think you remember I told you some, some things about him last week. That Again, Tosh on the wing was being starved of the ball by Johnny Haynes. So eventually he got so frustrated that he swore at Johnny Haynes. I can't actually say the word. Um, And the referee sent him off because the referee thought that he was swearing at him. So afterwards, the press asked Tosh what his reaction was to being sent off. And there was a, a comedian around at the time, I just forget his name for the moment. Um, the stop line was sick as a parrot, thick as a parrot. So his answer was to the press that I was sick as a parrot. And Norman tells me that that's when it first ever started about footlers being sick as parrots when something actually went against them. So. If that's a true story, not that I disbelieve Norman, if that's a true story, then um, that had some sort of North London-ish beginning. So again, welcome chaps. Um, Yeah, so we all watched last night. Um, Some comments, please.
1: I I imagine we were all upset about the result, but I I felt it was more than we deserved. Um it's all, all a bit strange really picking a side with three defensive midfield players all in, all in the same side seemed to be odd Sissoko seemed to wander from there to, to either right wing or centre forward and he wasn't really cut out
0: for that the balance was a bit strange wasn't it with those hmm. three three types of players all in one area and it, it almost meant that they sort of cancelled each other out I think hmm. but um and, Tom, your original thoughts?
2: Yeah, similar. I mean, it looked like an unbalanced team. Like when we saw the lineup and saw that kind of um, plethora of central midfielders uh, starting, um, you know, you just think, you know, okay, he knows what he's doing, won't argue with that. And, uh, you know, at, at times in the game, I think for, for other than the first 15 minutes where fulham kind of came at us we then seemed to really control the game um had a couple of really good chances as well as as well as harry's goal which was brilliant by the way such a such a classic diving header keith houchan-esque but uh but second half it was just as has happened a lot this season we just um didn't go for it didn't go for the, the the killer second goal harry kane's last shot in the game was on 35 minutes which um you know, it says it all really we just never really looked like we were going to uh, push on and the, the the worrying thing for me was that when we when they when Fulham equalized um, when that's kind of happened in previous games we've then at least kind of really kind of put the foot back down and gone for it to go to, yeah and, and you're there thinking oh why couldn't they play like that before the equalizer but this time I don't even think we really looked like we were going to score or, or, or make many chances after they equalised this time. And um, obviously, uh, Reguilón had his goal yeah. disallowed. But other than that, it just felt flat, which was disappointing.
0: I think flat was the uh, was the right term. And um, there's no doubt that was an amazing goal. What, what an amazing goal. I mean, yeah. the pass from midfield out to the left, the control. The control was that perfect that it didn't need... Another touch to set it up before it went in. Get the ball in with your left foot and Harry's there, as you say. What a what a header.
2: It's a lovely, iconic, so, iconic goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit disappointing, wasn't it? Um, I think it comes back to the fact of of you know Jose is still in still in the, the process of, of building a team. And is it just over a year now he's been been in charge? Yeah, 14 months. And when you think back, you know, how long does it take to to get your messages deep into the players? Um, You know, I I read somewhere that Shankly was like seven years before he won anything. And Keith Birkinshaw, for instance, was was five years, I think five seasons, before the first trophy comes. So... You know, I know it's a different era that we're in and, and Jose is a top, top manager, um, but I still think is in the building process. So the messages, for whatever reason, are not quite there. And um, but you have to say that to 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 if if they are defending the one goal lead, that is an incredibly difficult thing to do and it's proving too difficult for us at the moment with regard to their, the team's understanding of how to do that. So um, frustrating, without doubt, two wasted points. This is always the same, you know, put it in context. If it felt like a loss, didn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It felt like a loss. Uh, well it was a loss of two points. so um, anyway, we onwards and upwards we've got Sheffield United next and we're gonna we're going talk about uh, that. I saw them um, on television against Bristol Rovers in the FA Cup. Bristol Rovers were um, incredibly unlucky. I think they they fell short because of a a bad referee error. But um, but at least the manager there, the Sheffield United manager paid respect to the competition and put out a, okay, not a 100% first team, but enough players um, that made it a, a useful exercise for them. And then of course they went and got a win so um, uh, after that in the league. So Howard, um, if you tell us of your your knowledge of Sheffield United, please?
1: Um, I certainly will. There's not much I can fi- I could find out about them. but they played a very important part, albeit a limited role in our history. So, I'll start by taking you back to a long time ago, just before Steve was born in 1901, and <laughs> our, f- our first FA Cup final. Sheffield United were our opponents, and the first game played at Bolton was drawn to all. It was the first time cameras were used as a football match, and scenes are still available on Pathé News. The replay was at Stamford Bridge and we won 3-1. Our striker, Sandy Brown, became the first player to score in every round of the cup. We were and always will be the only non-league side to win the cup. We didn't play United that often until until we lost 6-1 at their place on the 6th of May 1939. It was then another 10 years until the next time we met, which was on 12th of November 1949, when we won 7-0. The reason for the 10-year gap was, of course, the war. That Spurs side was almost ready for its destiny as they won the second division in 49-50 and then the first division in 50-51. Another rare occurrence of teams winning the second division league and then winning the top division of the next season. In more recent times, in the 60s, I quite enjoyed watching Sheffield United because they had a really talented player called Tony Curry. And that's... All I have to say about them
0: but don't know thank you very much I'm going to talk a bit about Tony Curry as well but first of all I'm going to talk about our second division season that was 7778 mm-hmm. and the relevance of Sheffield United was that uh, in our in the new league that we were because of relegation our first game of that season was at home to Sheffield United. We won 4-2 on August the 20th. And our goal scorers were uh, Keith Osgood, uh, two penalties, uh, John Duncan and Chris Jones. Um, the goal scorers for Sheffield United were Chico Hamilton, the penalty. And Edwards. Now, I I can't remember Edwards' first name, but what I do remember, and this is not out of YouTube because I'm actually quite pleased that that game is not there. But from the end of the season of relegation, we went on tour to Norway and then a rest, and then we pre-season tour to Sweden. And the new way of playing was me to play alongside the centre half and bring the ball out and set the ball into midfield with the talent of Glenn Hoddle and Neil McNabb and John Pratt and people like that. So this first game, as I say, I'm delighted it's not on YouTube because I remember this fellow Edwards give me a little bit of a tough time in the first game. And, and I've owned up before that uh, in Sunshine, I wasn't quite the same player. And being the first game of the season, there was Sunshine and uh, I think I may have even given the penalty away for their first goal, which put them a goal up. And I think the Edwards lad, ex of Hull City, um, beat me and, and scored the goal. So uh, one of the times I'm pleased that uh, that the cameras weren't there. Um, that start of that season, that was the first game we uh, In 10 games, you only had one defeat and that was at Hull and that that went a long way to putting us on the right road to to getting promoted. Uh, We drew the away game at um, Sheffield United, Bramall Lane, 2-2 with John Duncan and Peter Taylor being the scorers. My first ever game against Sheffield, United was away, Uh, again a 2-2 draw, Martin Peters and Alan Gilzean. And that was different because Bramall Lane, if you remember, old supporters that went to the game would remember this in terms of their ground. It was also a cricket field. So the cameras were always the open side. So it looked to the people viewing that Left and right were stands. In front of you was a stand. But actually the side where the cameras were was like another, you could have got another pitch on there because this was a cricket ground. So that was a bit strange, the play in front of the three sides. But what I always remember about the Sheffield United of those early 70s was, as you mentioned, Howard, Tony Curry. What an amazing player, what skill, what technique. And I had the honor of playing in a three-man midfield for England under 23s. I was in the middle and left and right of me were Tony Curry and Alan Hudson. (laughs) Now, at that point, I don't rate myself as a great player or anything, but I had played in between Alan Mullery and Martin Peters. And in later years, with Glenn Hoddle and Ricky and Nozzy and Mickey Hazard. So but I've got to say, and probably it was because of the change, you know, when you've spent so long at one club to go and do something different with different players. The change meant that this was an unbelievable experience for me. You just had to give these two players the ball and they went and did their magic. Other players there at the time was Alan Woodward, a, a very good winger with a terrific, uh terrifically powerful shot. Stuart Scullion, um uh also like Tony Curry from Watford, and there was a strong Watford connection uh with Sheffield United. And I think it all came about with Ken Furphy managing both both clubs. But um, but they they were very good. Good opponents. And uh, it, again, it was different to play at Bramwell Lane because of the, the, uh, the situation, pitch situation. So there's always a link um, to opponents. And uh, I've got a couple of links with Sheffield United for, for Spurs. One is Martin Peters. Uh, Martin dipped his toe into management uh, with his first taste of it at Sheffield United. <laughs> It was only there for about a year. Um, I think it was the third division. Um, Norman Giller thinks it was the second division, anyway, we'll find that out. But um, I spoke to Martin about this some years later, because, you know, people like Martin and Bobby Charlton and Bobby Moore, for instance you know, struggled in the management world, uh, yet being, you know, fantastic professional players and thinkers about the game. And I spoke to Martin about this, and very honestly, he told me that, he said, Steve, I'd set up this practice in the centre circle where we just do a bit of interpassing, passing and then the ball gets played out to wingers that are already there, right and left, and there was a set of strikers, you know, attacking the cross when the cross came in. And after 20 minutes, Steve, not one decent cross was put into the box, not one. And then I knew managing coaching was not for me because I couldn't tell them what to do, how to improve it, other than do it better well guess what do it better is not good enough you've got to tell the players that it's too close to their feet you've got to get it out your feet more you've got to give yourself an angle to swing through the ball etc cetera, etc cetera. so i i found that very sad actually that a player because martin was a top top professional and he was a thinker on the game um, but obviously the game was not easy for him, but became was so natural to him that he actually couldn't explain to someone, another player, be it the, the, the first team players of Sheffield United, of actually how to do things better. So um, Martin only lasted in that job uh, for a year. His wife, Cathy, said that you know he should never have took the job because he wasn't used to that level. And they didn't. She didn't um, really enjoy living up in Sheffield, being a, being a Londoner. So um, it soon came to a finish. And then my second link is Harry Haslam. Harry Haslam in past years had links with both Luton and Sheffield United. Well, when he was at Luton, he uh, got a, a link to Keith Birkenshaw and encouraged Newcastle, who Keith worked for at the time, to buy Malcolm McDonald, which turned out to be a great move and he scored a lot of goals for them and it was an idol up in Town Castle there. And in later years, Harry Haslam phoned uh, Keith as manager of Spurs. Harry Haslam had an Argentinian guy on his staff and because of that, he said to Keith, listen, this was about Tuesday of the week. He said, on Friday, I'm flying out to Argentina, Keith. And if you come with me, I'm telling you, have you seen this player, dealers, in the World Cup game so far? Yes, of course I have. Do you rate him? Yes, he's the best thing on the field there. Well, if you come with me, I'm telling you, you can sign him. So Keith did that. Took the chance to fly up to Argentina with Harry Haslam and Harry's contacts there. And um, just as an interesting note, guess who looked after Keith while he was in Argentina? Was a player, ex player, called Rattan. Rattan famously got sent off at Wembley, and, and where Alf Ramsey would not allow an English player to swap shirts with him, etc. And Keith said, you could not meet a nicer fella. So amazing how all these links mm. come into play when you have contacts to sign the likes of Aussie dealers or Malcolm McDonald for, for Newcastle. So in lots of ways, Howard, thank you for your information about what it means to our history. But it's sort of, there's more modern links to that as well. So... Yep through the chat called, called Harry Haslam.
1: Well, I can remember the first game in Division two. And I remember it was a sunny day, as you say, and walking back to the car, I remember with with Terry and we said, it's good fun, the second division, isn't it? We actually were quite, we were very pleased and excited by what we saw the first game.
0: Yeah. Well, it was, it was open. It was attacking. There were six goals and I think things continued on that way for most of that season. Now we we had the odd game where we we struggled, and I think there was a few nil-nil draws, particularly with Bolton over over the course of that season. But um, but it was fun, and and I still say it was most my most enjoyable season. Mm. And I think maybe for Spurs supporters, there's a, there's a lot of you that think the same. So so yeah, so. Um, Thank you all for listening. Um, I hope we can regain the points that we think we lost against Fulham. Um, I particularly respect uh, the manager of Sheffield United, Chris Wilder, and his assistant, Alan Neal. Um, I've vied against them in most divisions uh, in the past. They're very genuine people. I think when you look at their team this year, I think that they overachieved last year, but I think they're honest, they're workmanlike, they are the sort of team that a city like Sheffield deserves. It's like a working-class team and um, I'm very genuine. So, of course, I want us to beat them. Um, I hope that we beat them. And uh, as I say, we can... Uh, we can Regain some of the uh, the points that we think we're lacking.
2: They they were one of the um, best teams who came to the Tottenham Stadium last season. I thought, Steve, they were. Um, yeah, we drew I one. All... Saw that game. Yeah, we drew. We I drew saw one. All... That game. And my, my yeah, my my seats right at the top of the uh, of the Paxton. So you, so you get a very good view of um of the shape of a team and they moved around the pitch in such a good shape. They kept That's the team. Yeah, That's they were. The team. Exactly. Um. I, I, I. don't remember another team all season moving as effectively as Sheffield United did in that game, and they should have Absolutely. won. They should have beaten us.
0: Yeah, I remember. They did they be. score a goal? It was offside. It was disallowed. Yeah. Did they have and, goal disallowed. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. Unfair. I think. But I
0: think a very genuine team led by led by genuine people, and I. I. Um. I have great respect for that, and. Um, You know, sometimes you hear things on the television from pundits, etc. And I was reading something the other day, um, Savage making 10 points about how you can get out of a club when you want to move. And, you know, this is on a BBC um, uh, chat thing. And uh, I thought it was absolutely disgraceful, and and you know what I heard the other day? I heard um, on Five Live they were giving Arteta some stick, right? And this lady must have been an international, played probably played for Arsenal, and she was saying, well, basically that Arteta was was just put the cones out for for Pep, as if Pep is stupid enough to employ someone who's only capable of putting the cones out. That doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen. And she also made the point that, that, um, you know, assistant manager is the easiest job in football because you're everyone's friend. And when you get left out, the, the assistant manager comes up to you and says, I, I would have picked you. Can't understand his decision. So, I mean, some of this bullshit that people come out with on the radio and, 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 uh, On our TV screens It's got to be heard Or seen to be believed But anyway I'm saying about Sheffield United That these are genuine people And of course we still want to beat them And uh, let's go and get three points So thanks for all listening Come on you Spurs